Hello and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast, episode 76. On today's episode, it is our end of the year, bringing in the new year episode. So it's time for Matt and I to humble ourselves. It's time <laughs> to admit where we were, were wrong and figure out why we had those takes. And then pat ourselves on the back, talk about the things that we were right about, why we were right, and hopefully bring the best brightest and sometimes hottest takes to your 2022 and then it's our thursday episode so you know what time it is we're going in for our pitcher bet two weeks left in the nfl so week 17 we're gonna make our picks on all 16 games and then we're gonna dive into the five integral matchups of the weekend first jalen hurts is going into washington with a must win on the line we have miami and tua playing Tennessee, Kansas City going to the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals to take on Joe Burrow and the boys. And then, of course, we have Arizona at Dallas, one of the biggest tests for Dallas all season and Dak Prescott. And then our Green Bay Packers bringing it home Sunday night have a chance to really solidify the one seed in the NFC. So let's run the music and talk about it. All right, everyone, I am your host, Matt Guest. With me, as always, bringing in the new year, my co-host and friend, Matt Morris. Happy New Year, dude. Yeah, man, we made it. It's uh, 2022. I think maybe we can say now we have uh, fully two years of unused life in our lifetime. So I'm going to scale it back and be 28 this coming year. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, dude, I'm I'm ready for the new year. It's been crazy in sports this year. Uh, I'm just ready for a regular sports season with, you know, MLB possibly being a strike. 2022 is going to be actually very little different than 2020 or 2021. But uh, it'll be for a lot of headlines, at least. Yeah, for sure, man. We'll see. I mean, we've encompassed baseball, basketball, football. When we kicked this podcast off, we were starting with March Madness. So we're going all the way back to our March Madness heartbreak, hot takes and right takes for me, at least. So it's been an awesome year. Um, Thanks to everyone who listens. This has been a really fun year for us. A year of growth, to say the least, right? Trying to figure out what works best for us. And most importantly, what's working for you is our in our audience. So if you're listening to this pod, go on our Instagram, comment your favorite take, your least favorite take that we've had all year. We would really appreciate it. But Matt... Let's dive into it, my friend. It's time to talk about where we were wrong. So I will let you kick it off. We both have about three takes that we were wrong on and right on. I will let you start us off with your first take that you completely whiffed on in 2021. <laughs> so mine's paired. Um, I'm going to start off with the, the you know our preseason NFL uh, kind of look ahead take. I picked the Chargers to have a very bad start. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, you I said at, they could go 0-6. 0-6? 0-6. And I was not right about that. Now, <laughs> I did not I did expect them to have this kind of a year, but I, looking at their schedule preseason, they just had a lot of very tough matchups. And they not only weathered that storm, I think they performed very well in their first six games. And it's not only until about now where we're really starting to see them falter a little bit, right? 
early season, Justin Herbert was being talked at as the MVP, possibly the next Pat Mahomes. Right. So God, was I wrong? Yeah. Um, and I and I think one of the things we wanted to do here is kind of dissect like what made us wrong or what made us right. And honestly, the Chargers are a better team. I think they were uh, better coached the first five, six, seven games of the season. Staley had them playing well. The offense yeah. was working really, really well. You know, opposing coverages couldn't really figure out what Herbert was doing. You had the emergence of Mike Williams. And ultimately, that running game was still kind of playing well on Jackson's now emerging as well as a fantasy star these last few weeks. But I, I think ultimately what I underperceived was the fact that the Chargers had a good coaching staff. They were right. going to have them ready to play. And there's a new culture being built there. And that's something over the last 10, 15 years as Charger fans uh, that you've struggled with, right? You've missed <laughs> sure. field goals. You've had lapses on defense. So I expected those things to continue. Some of those spaces were, they were shored up and I give them a lot of credit. For sure. I think both of us had our hesitancy with Brandon Staley, right? We didn't mm-hmm. know what they were going to be, if they were the same old Chargers or not. They're kind of t- turning into that again, but I think they've exceeded yep. expectations with the second year quarterback as well. Uh, my first whiff... And boy, was it was it a whiff. Um, <laughs> I have been touting for about the past three years, and then come the beginning of baseball season, that Shohei <laughs> Otani may have been a bit overrated. The reason, so to what Matt said, the reason why wasn't because of the talent. It was because the injury history. The guy couldn't play games. He couldn't stay healthy. And they just continue to throw him out there on the mound. And then the next day in the field. And I said, this just is impossible for an MLB player to do. And boy, was I wrong. And I was the first person to raise my hand at the end of the season and congratulate him and say this guy needs to be MVP because what he did was prove a lot of people like me wrong. I know the MLB blue check marks and people out there on the internet will say, oh, there's no way I would have ever thought that he would have been bad. They're full of shit. He didn't really prove a lot until this year. And boy, did he. He's honestly one of my favorite players in baseball now. Um, Massive whiff for me. Huge win for you because when we lived together in 2060, I don't know, five, six years ago now, you you went to his opening press conference in Orange County when we lived there. So huge miss by me. (laughs) Well, and and – I'm going to take it as a hit. And, and I told you before we started recording, right. I did not expect this season to happen for him this year. Um, five, six years ago, like you said, I was there because I had been following him for two years in Japan. I had literally created a player in MLB The Show five, six, seven <laughs> years ago. I was playing with Otani. Um, you know, I, of course, at the time, had to create a batter and a pitcher. So it was very confusing for the computer. But... <laughs> I've been a big fan for him in a, for a while. And, uh, you know, going back to like, why why did we have the perception that we did? For me, Otani, when you see generational talent, you see it on the field. Right. You could see it in Japan when Otani was playing. You know, Daisuke Matsuzaka came out and you, I used to watch his tape before he played for Boston. And he was really good and really talented. But you could see on film too, the batters in Japan are not the batters in the major leagues. Right. And I did not expect for him to be the same caliber ace he was here, or excuse me, in Japan here. It was different with Otani. Otani, everything about his profile said he's <laughs> going to change the mold of what Major right. League Baseball can be. And it took a little while for us in Anaheim to really see that transpire, but unbelievable talent. I'm so happy for him. And I'm just happy as a baseball fan because I for have sure. dreamed of this for so long. And again, Anyone that says they could have expected this kind of season is absolutely full of shit. My <laughs> highest expectation for Otani was 
maybe 20, 22 wins, an ERA hovering around two, two to 250, maybe 300 strikeouts. I expected him to be an absolute dominant pitcher first. And what we're seeing now is he's an MVP batter first. 100%. And he's a very, very good pitcher second. And we've talked about it all year. Can you just imagine if he chose to pitch only? He would right. probably be that top tier best pitcher, you know, fighting Degrom. But the kid is so valuable, and um, I, I'm just I'm very happy that ultimately my dreams came true with Otani, and I hope to have a good season this year with him too. I will now transition to one of my misses, um, and this is baseball too. I I had high expectations this year for the New York Yankees. I had picked Aaron Judge as my AL MVP favorite. And honestly, Aaron Judge had a pretty decent year. But when you look at some of the other caliber players like Otani, Harper, Fernando Tatis, Vlad Jr., they had much, much better years. And they performed for their teams when their teams needed them to. I, as a Yankee partial fan, watched a lot of their games this year. And a lot of the times Aaron Judge came up when the Yankees needed them, he wasn't necessarily there for him. Stanton wasn't there for him, right? They're guys that they really were going to rely on to slug their way into wins. They weren't there. And I expected the Yankees to go to the World Series this year. It just didn't happen. Their pitching wasn't there. You know, Severino never truly came back. Garrett Cole faltered yeah. in the playoffs. And it's definitely the biggest miss because on paper this season, I thought it was an absolute no-brainer. They were going to beat Houston. They were going to beat Boston. They were going to beat the Blue Jays. Anyone in their in their path, they were just going to take out. And ultimately, um, again, kind of dating back to why, it ended up being that pitching staff and it ended up being that lineup. They didn't have enough guys that just played baseball. No they doubt. had way too many sluggers. I think the addition of Gallo kind of goes into that as well. Not that Gallo was bad in New York, but Gallo was Gallo. Right. And I think their best midseason acquisition ultimately ended up being Anthony Rizzo, who was in and out of the lineup. But Rizzo plays baseball. He gets on base. He does the little things. The rest of that lineup is just not the same way. Glaber Torres is a huge example of that, just a shell of what his potential could have been. Um, I had expected all of these guys to have good years, if not career years. And the reason I was wrong was because they just didn't. You know, Half yeah. the lineup was good. Half the lineup was bad. Cole was good when he when in he when he needed to in the regular season, and Cole was really bad when he needed to in the postseason. So, just definitely a disappointing season for the Yankees, and uh, one I did not expect to have. For sure, um, you know, just a reminder that sports isn't a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Every freaking MLB the Show simulated season, they're winning, and they just didn't perform. And the Red Sox just had a better season and a better team at the end of the day. You know, on paper, no, but when out when they're out there on the field, they're better. Um, my miss, and I had three, I'm talking going down, looking, knees bending, <laughs> buckling misses, you know, Otani was first, the next two were in basketball, first one, and luckily for basketball, it basically was at the beginning of the year, and now it's going on here at the end of the year, um, I didn't think LeBron was top five anymore, I'm going to be, and I'm not a LeBron hater. I like LeBron. I think he's obviously an amazing talent. He's in the conversation for best one, two, three of all time. You know, he's unbelievable. But at the end of last year and how everything transpired, him giving up on defense, him not being able to carry the team against the Phoenix Suns, I was ready to put him out of the top five and put his own teammate above him, Anthony Davis. I thought Anthony Davis was better, more valuable, and the reason the Lakers are who they are. Well, fast forward here till the start of the 2021-2022 season. I'm completely wrong. Davis is a shell of himself. And I was a prisoner of the moment. I didn't look at LeBron's body of work. I looked at the gut reaction to Phoenix and I underestimated Phoenix. They're an elite team. 
they've proven proven that excuse me and i was wrong about lebron he's still top five he's arguably you know top three i have him still at number four right i've moved him up from the six seven spot where it's it's out of control to put Luka Doncic in front of him right now. And that's where my mind was at the end of the season this past year. Big miss. LeBron's still elite, even at 37 going on 500, right? Big miss by me. And it's hard, man. LeBron's age and, as you said, his effort, it, it's hard to gauge where he's at sometimes because we, we're not sure if he's giving 100%. And right. if you just look at the last six games, which the Lakers are 1-5 in, five in uh, LeBron's playing <laughs> absolutely his fault, out of his though. mind. Yeah. It's not. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with NBA too. My big miss was was the Bucks against the Nets, right? We had talked all year about if the Nets are going to have an injury, the Bucks can beat them. Before Kyrie went down, it looked like they were absolutely going to sure. get steamrolled. And it was really sad, right? Because all hope, in my opinion, was gone. I remember talking to you, and I think I said on the pod, I went and placed a bet for a buddy of mine <laughs> uh, for his entire work. And I thought, I was, they're throwing money away. They're literally throwing money away. Yeah, you Things put a bet on the box for them. Correct. Things immediately turned around after that Kyrie injury. But as a Bucks fan, as a Wisconsin sports fan, I felt like it was going to be just another heartbreak. And honestly, like it was a huge miss. You know, yes, there were injuries, but the way that Bucks team rallied and never really thought that, hey, you know what, we are out of this. I remember the the press conference where Giannis said, you know what, like yes, down 0-2, but like that changes nothing in my mindset. Right. And to think about how he really meant that as a fan, it's it's hard to have that same mentality because you're not the one competing. Right. But it was a huge miss for me. And I'm I'm honestly super happy to take it as a miss <laughs> because we have a championship. And as sure. you said, yeah. As a Bucks fan, I'm good for life, you know, watching yep. that and watching that transpire. Um, but I, I think, again, perspectively, there are very few people in this country that could say, you know what? I knew the whole time the Bucks had this, even they're down 0 Like They're full of shit because you look at the the effort they were giving, you look at the ISOs that the Nets were running, it was an absolute dismantling. And somehow they found a way to pull it out. No doubt. And my piggyback third one is, is I, in that same time period after that second loss, I... I said, I don't think Giannis can lead a championship team. I don't think he's that guy. I think he needs a legit second option that can take over and hit shots at the end of the game for him, which turned out to be somewhat true because Chris hit massive shot after massive shot after massive shot all series against the Nets and honestly in the finals too. And (laughs) I mean, I was dead wrong. I ended up sitting in Pfizer forum (laughs) watching Giannis drop 50 to win the title proving me and honestly the world wrong you know no matter how much you loved Giannis and believed in him no one thought he was hitting free throws no one thought he was going to hit that jump shot no one thought he was going to be able to put the team on his back and actually score and produce to win a championship um and coming back from the knee injury after the Brooklyn series what he did in the finals he's he's the best player in basketball now so Massive whiff. I went down looking three times the golden sombrero really, really (laughs) bad this year. But coming up next, we do have some good takes. So we had some bad takes. I had some really bad takes. We're human. It happens. It's time to talk about where we were right this year and what takes we hit on and why. So, Matt, I'm going to let you go first because remind the listener the two that you had kind of mixed in there with the bad takes and then get on to your next one. 
So, I mean, we kind of talked about Otani already. Um, that was definitely my first hit. And again, it wasn't uh, a perceived hit. I, I have always expected him to play well, but not this well. Right. Um, but my first real big hit this year was Bryce Harper's MVP. You know, ooh, I picked ooh, Judge ooh, last ooh. or Judge this past year as well. Did not work in my favor. Yeah. Uh, but Harper did. And we talked about it all through the podcast this past year, especially when things got to uh, got to the important time of the season. And yeah. He came through and he, he honestly performed a little bit under my expectation for an MVP season. But what he did from August and September to try and get the Phillies in the playoffs was play at an elite level. Yeah. And again, when we talk about like perceiving some of these things and, and betting on the future, for me, it was a simple fact that Harper has always been elite. It's either the fact that he's injury ridden and, you know, he's never really out there at 100 percent, doesn't perform to where he wants or the fact that his lineup isn't built around him to succeed. And I thought coming into this season, the Phillies really built a good lineup for him. Again, that ballpark is just so hitter friendly. And when you're the guy, when you're not <laughs> cast around Juan Soto, you know, Trey Turner, you have no choice but to perform if you want your team to win. And I know he's a gamer. So my my big hit, Bryce Harper MVP, I wish I had thrown down some money because for that real. would have been a nice you little uh, Christmas too. present. You nailed but, it. Uh, I'm proud of that one. Yeah. I mean, his odds were very great either. So that was, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a proud moment for the pod. I was like, holy shit, man, he did it. <laughs> like we were just chasing that NL MVP. Like we need to get Bryce to do it. You called it. That was, that was really awesome. Really awesome moment this year. Um, for me, this was my favorite moment of the year. Before we get to the NFL, this was early, like episode five, episode four, early in the pod. I was screaming from the top of my lungs. Those goddamn Gonzaga Bulldogs are not... <laughs> going to win the national championship and it's not because their players are bad it's because they've never really been punched in the mouth yes they did against ucla but nobody expected ucla to be there and then when baylor got into that championship game they were shell-shocked couldn't come back and davion mitchell and the boys showed them what's up Once again, this is no disrespect to anybody on that team. I do like the players on Gonzaga, but until they get into a real conference, I will still be screaming this from the top of the mountain. So in Washington, if you hate me, I get it. But prove me wrong. Gonzaga won't win. Yeah, man, that was a that was a fantastic take, and I'm I'm a very big novice amateur when it comes to college <laughs> basketball. You know, I don't watch a lot, right? I don't I don't have the time. I, I honestly don't have the interest as much as I used to when I was younger, and really, honestly, a kid. Uh, my brackets are always busted two hours into the tournament. But you had <laughs> twenty felt, minutes felt into our first episode, yeah, <laughs> bad done. Um, but you had felt very strongly about Gonzaga, and you nailed yeah. it right on the head. You know, you follow basketball a lot more than I do, and you saw something within that team that said, "Hey." You know what? They're not ready for the sh- they're not ready for the super bright lights. And kudos to you, man, because this team this year is different, maybe. But that team last year, team you nailed it right on the head. Like they and Baylor was a great team. You know, I, I think I think that defensive minded, up tempo pace uh, was something that you also talked about and you saw coming and said, "Hey, Gonzaga hasn't had to deal with that kind of pressure, and they just came out of a battle tested game with UCLA." You crushed it, man. That was a great one. That was a good one. My uh, my last few here are all football related um i'm just going to go ahead and list them off 
Dallas Cowboys, thank you for not making me sound like a total <laughs> fucking a kook, idiot. Yeah. I took uh, I took a big risk. I think I picked them to have only three losses, three losses which they have yeah. they have surpassed. But um, they they're playing well, and honestly, their schedule has been weak, which was why I chose for them to have such a good season. I just thought, yep. man, like they got blessed. And this is this is a good football team offensively. We knew that, but honestly, the defense is the reason we all know that they're performing at this level. But again, this Sunday they are going to have a test. You know, yep. it, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But they could make my take a little bit worse come Sunday. Um, but Dallas, great job making me not sound like an idiot. And then Seattle, thank you for just performing how I fully expected you to. Yeah. That's my last take you that hit I nailed. That one they, good. they are performing truly as I expected, which is a team that doesn't have identity is falling apart from the inside. Bobby Wagner today said he is not sure he will be back next season. I, the dynasties fall at some point. You know, yep. as Green Bay Packer fans, I hope it doesn't happen soon. But when a dynasty falls, it's ugly. We saw it at USC. We're seeing it in Seattle. Yeah, 100%. Um, and my two uh, last hits were NFL-related as well. First one was draft-related. You, This is a combo pick, but you're letting me take credit for it. But you and I loved Mac Jones. We were really high on him. We thought he for sure was going to San Francisco 3 and that he would produce immediately. You don't just play that well, even though you're at um, Alabama. You knew he was going to produce, and you know, the football gods just bless Belichick one more time falls into his lap and you know he's hit the wall right he's had some bad games he's had some great games but i don't think you can watch a patriots game with a first year quarterback and honestly say that this kid probably won't play for the next five to ten years in the league right that's an absolute hit of a pick and we were on that big time we were screaming for the niners to take that and it's to be determined if they really did mess up um trey lance might play this weekend who knows but mac jones superstar he's he's gonna be great um second take that i was pretty spot on about and it was scary at first but was that the colts could be an elite team and it wasn't even because jonathan taylor it was more i believed in the defense and i believed in carson wentz which is you know kind of true at this point right they still you know jonathan taylor is the mvp but Wentz is still playing okay, and they would not be where they are now without Wentz. I know he makes mistakes, but all I said is if Wentz could get healthy and play turnover-free football, they could win that division and make a run. So the division, maybe not, but you know, I think they could easily make the run as we talked about on last podcast. Well, and you're, you were spot on, and I watched this past Colts game this week because I had off work. And man, he's got an arm still. There sure. were some throws that he made that reminded me like why he was taken so high. Oh, and yeah. it's funny, I see I see Josh Allen and Carson Wentz, or maybe that's an opposite take, right? I see a lot of what Carson Wentz does in Allen's game because that was his game. It was run the football, it was throw the football until he had that ACL tear against the Rams. Right. And now he's a very, very different quarterback. But yeah, man, the Colts are a very exciting team. Um, to begin the, the begin the year, I was very excited. They were playing <laughs> bad because obviously we're competitive on this show. Right. And I was hoping the Colts would suck. But <laughs> kind of in comparison to my Dallas pick, right, it's when you don't see certain players coming like Jonathan Taylor or Dallas's D. Or their they defense can elevate coming alive. Team. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you need a lot of luck to be able to look into the future and say, hey, you know, this is what I think is going to happen. And then it ends up happening. And honestly, it's sometimes the things you didn't expect. But I like what I'm seeing out of Carson Wentz. I hope he plays Sunday, man, because I love the Colts. I'm all about the hard knocks right now. Like, it's a fun team. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah, they're, they're an easy team to root for. Well, Damn. hey, 
Cheers to the good takes. Cheers to the bad takes. Cheers to next year's takes. Let's talk week 17. <laughs> On to week 17, first big matchup of the weekend. The Philadelphia Eagles going into Washington to play the football team. They just played them Tuesday, uh, like a week and a half ago. So the question for this game, Matt, obviously, who are you picking against the spread? But can Jalen Hurts finally put a team away early and blow these guys out? Yeah, I think what we just saw from Washington against Dallas is that team is cooked. They're done. I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking the Eagles here, minus three. And in all honesty, there's going to have to be a lot of shakeup from that uh, Washington football team organization. Yeah. I yeah. expect an absolute blowout here. They took care of the Giants last week. Dallas obviously beat them good this past yep. week as well. I'm taking the Eagles to win this game by at least like 21 points, maybe three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and those of you in fantasy playoffs – Jalen Hurts is about to get you a championship. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I like Philly minus the three here too. If they don't beat these guys, obviously if they don't beat them, but if they don't beat them by 10, I'm going to lose a lot of faith in my take from about a month ago with Philly being an actual contender and having a chance to beat one of the elite teams in the NFC. Because just like Dallas, just like you said, they put them away, blew them out, embarrassed them. If Philly can't do that, I'm out on them in the playoffs. Next yep. game. Miami in Tennessee. Miami's a three and a half point underdog in Tennessee. Plain and simple, Bat. It's a Tua prove it game. Will he? Yeah, I'm taking Miami here plus three and a half. Um, this is this is easy. Tua and Waddle have been absolutely electric together. A lot of little bit of negativity on Tua for not throwing <laughs> the ball downfield, sure. but He's got Waddle, man. And Waddle, in my opinion, is one of those gadget weapons, very similar to Debo Samuel. When he's on the field, it changes the entire complexion of the team. Sure. And honestly, Tennessee is having trouble, right? Like A.J. Brown had an unbelievable game. That defense <laughs> has been playing up. But I think when you've won seven straight, Miami is on this collision course for what possibly could be a playoff spot. They're going to push, and they're going to push really, really hard. I think we see a great game from Tua. I think we see a great game from Waddle. Only question is, can Miami's defense hold A.J. Brown in check? Yeah. Um, and to your point, people talking shit about Tua not throwing the ball downfield, whatever it is, I give them credit because at the end of the day, there's only a couple elite quarterbacks. So if you find your identity, which Miami has found, dink and dunk, don't turn the ball over, play great defense, win football games. Winning is winning. If he can't throw the ball 35 yards down the field, no one gives a fuck because he's not throwing four interceptions like Baker Mayfield. Book it. Yep. Miami plus the three and a half. I like them a lot. I think they have found their identity, and that's more important than the stats. End of the day. Next Absolutely. game. Kansas City, Cincinnati, bro. Massive game here. Cincinnati wins. They're basically in clinch the division this weekend. I know they won't technically on paper, but if they win, They've got it locked up there in the north. Kansas City is a five-point favorite on the road. Big question here, and this one's interesting. Can the Chiefs' defense hold up the way they have been against this explosive offense in Cincy? I think they do this week. And I said this last podcast, you know, Joe Burrow was out there playing against practice <laughs> yeah. squad yeah, scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched I watched actually some highlights a couple hours ago, and it was Bad. pathetic. His, his receivers were wide open um, outside of a jump ball that he had near the end zone. I think he's going to go up against Kansas City, and, and they're going to actually give him a little bit of, of tr trouble. You know, those throws, those looks aren't necessarily going to be there. Tyrone Matthews is going to be looking to pick the ball off. 
I think ultimately that Chiefs offense is what wins this game, but I think the defense is going to definitely keep them in it, and we're going to see a different version of Joe Burrow this weekend. Right. Well, the defense is the reason Kansas City's been, you know, catapulted back to the best team in the AFC, arguably the NFL. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think they're going to hold them in check. I do have a little concern about Jamar Chase here. You know, if they let him get loose and go deep, um, it could be a problem. But I think the pass rush for Kansas City, if it gets home, will be a huge issue for Burrow. And Joe Mixon's banged up. So I like Kansas City minus the five here as well. Next game that we have on the slate. This is, I think this might be the biggest game out of all five of these massive games. Arizona versus Dallas. Two reasons it's big. Arizona, obviously struggling, not playing well. Dallas, on the other hand, hasn't really played quality competition since they played Kansas City a month and a half ago. So this is a big prove-it game for Dallas. They're at home, minus five and a half. Cliff and Kyler, this is it for them. What do you think? I have real one take on this. This is going to be a Chase Edmond game. James Conner. I know James Conner is a little banged up, but Chase had an amazing performance this past week. He really changes the offense. He allows Kyler to have a guy that he can really trust. And I know James Conner has been that guy. James Conner has been the check down guy. He's been catching balls. He's been running balls. But you pair those two together, you can definitely control the tempo of that game. And Kyler's big issue is when things get stressful, he makes mistakes. He throws bad interceptions. If they lean on that run game, if they lean on that option football, I think they're going to have a chance. Now, I am taking Dallas minus five and a half. Okay. I thought you were about uh, to go with Arizona. I was like, holy shit. Absolutely not. Because I fully (laughs) expect. Tyler to make a mistake. I fully expect that team to just implode. And I don't put this on Lane or excuse me, on Cliff Kingsbury. This is on Kyler Murray. Mm. I don't know that he has what it takes to be an absolute elite quarterback in this league. I don't. I haven't seen it all season. The interceptions the last four or five weeks have been absolutely crushing. Yeah, I I dis I think it's 50-50 because Kyler has no offensive line and that's coaching as well. If you don't have a good O-line, figure out a way to help your quarterback out. That's also Kyler holding the ball, the Justin Fields issue this year so far too. Um I think this is Dallas minus five and a half, no problem. I think they smoke him. My biggest I'm almost a week uh, excuse me, a whiff that I had on this year was picking Dallas to be so shitty because I didn't trust their defense. Um, they have a top five defense in the league right now. So I think they shut them down. They've been really good in Jerry world. So I love Dallas minus the five and a half here. Last game, last massive game, Sunday night, last game in the regular season in Lambeau for our green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers on an MVP terror right now but if you didn't listen to our last podcast matt had a big concern and it is one for packer fans and football fans that bet on the packers worldwide is they play down to their competition they have not covered the past two weeks when they had no business not covering the past two weeks packers at home against minnesota no adam thielen for minnesota he's out for the season on ir dalvin cook back it's going to be zero degrees at kickoff what minus six for the packers what do you think yeah, I'm taking Packers here. Uh, Rogers was asked on our on our favorite show, Pat, this week, Pat Shout McAfee, um, if you know if that was going to be a concern, if playing to the competition and kind of keeping games close was an issue. And Rogers said it perfectly. He said we need to start putting teams away. Right. And then obviously he was asked, you know, how do you feel about that? This and that. He just simply said last week was a learning experience, and that's a great answer. I fully expect them to come out, possibly put up 42 points on Minnesota. <laughs> 
and just absolutely call it a day because so. it's something the team needs to start to do the last two weeks of the season before they get to the playoffs because in the playoffs, they're going to have to put teams away. So I'm taking the Packers here. I'm taking the Packers big. Um, the only concern is Delvin Cook. Does he go for 390 Ooh, yards? Right? It, it could be an absolute disgrace of a running game, but <laughs> if, if the Packers force them to throw, it's an easy Packer win. I agree with you big time. I think they got to score, let Kirk air it out in the cold. Um, Vikings always play the Packers tough at home. On the road, it's a different story for obvious reasons. Like I said, it's going to be zero degrees. And at the end of the day, that's why the Packers play in Green Bay. That is the home field advantage of all home field advantages. I love the Packers here at minus six. All right, so it's the best part of the podcast, the name of the podcast, what we do here. We make pitcher bets. So I'm just drinking a can tonight, but this weekend, Matt and I betting against the spread all 16 games, and we also make our personal picks on what we're actually betting on this weekend. So for a pitcher, it's on the line. I'm going to run through my 16 picks right now. So starting with the last segment, I took Philly minus three, Miami plus three and a half, Kansas City minus five, Arizona, excuse me, Dallas minus five and a half, Green Bay minus six and a half. So for the rest of the games this weekend, I've got New England minus 15 and a half, Tampa Bay minus 13, Indianapolis minus six, Chicago minus six, Buffalo minus 14 and a half, the Rams minus three and a half, Houston plus 12 and a half, Chargers minus six and a half, New Orleans minus seven, Detroit plus six and a half, and Pittsburgh plus three. The five games, five game big weekend for me. These are my suggested picks for you in Vegas this week. Obviously, we're recording this on a th- on a Wednesday, so you know COVID could fuck this up. It has happened the past two weeks, but my five picks that I feel really good about that I'm going to bet on this weekend. I love Tampa minus thirteen on the road against the Jets. I love Indianapolis minus six at home against Vegas. Rams minus three and a half on the road in Baltimore. Dallas at home, minus five and a half against Arizona, and the Green Bay Packers, minus six and a half at home. All right, Mr. Morris, what do you got? <laughs> yes, sir. So we actually, going five for five, we were having the same picks for our primetime matchups, our games of the week. I have Eagles minus three, Chiefs minus five. I have Miami plus three and a half, taking the Packers, obviously, minus six, and then the good old Cowboys, minus five and a half. Those games we are spot on with uh our, the next slate of games i do have the patriots minus 15 and a half i think that's a good game colts minus six bears minus six uh, i am taking tampa minus 13 that seems easy <laughs> buffalo minus 14 and a half don't love it but no. good god buffalo's got to keep winning um going on moving on i do have the rams this is a pick of the week for me minus three and a half i am going to go ahead and take san francisco minus 12 and a half Quarterback situation is a little scary for me. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Chargers minus six and a half. Saints minus seven. I am going to go ahead and take Seattle minus six and a half. I do nice. like this game. I'm a Lions fan, so we'll see. And then I'm going to finish it out. I'm taking the Browns on Monday night to spoil Big Ben's final game at home. Nice. I just think that run game's good. Yeah. So it looks like the pitcher bet for us is going to come down to that Browns game, Seattle. Um, San Francisco. So pretty much everything else is spot on. I mean, these massive lines are why, you know, we do the pitcher bet. It's fun. But remind the listener one more time. What were your you only had a few picks. What were they again? Yep. Only three this week. So my picks of the week this week are going to be the Packers minus six. Boom. Um, I'm taking Rams minus three and a half. 
And then final pick of the week was the Eagles minus three. Like I said, I think they can blow them out. It's a good pick. Yeah. Um, Yeah, my bad. I said six and a half when I was going through mine, but obviously mine's a six. So we're good to go there. All right, everyone. Well, this is our New Year's episode. Thank you so much for rocking with us this year. We are planning a lot of fun stuff for 2022, a lot more growth, a lot of good content for you guys every Tuesday and Thursday. And we really appreciate all of you. Like I said, go comment on our Instagram post for this episode when we post about it. Uh, Let us know your favorite takes from us this year, our worst takes this year, whatever that you like, or your picture best that you've won with your friends. We would love to see them. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at PitcherBetPod. Once again, Happy New Year's. Cheers. We'll see you guys next year.